0: Of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today on the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. It is Great to always discuss these matters that um, I feel are important to the church, um, worship theology, and culture. And, and I enjoy doing this, and hopefully, you gain something out of this um, if you are listening. Um, and so today, I am talking about a worship-related topic. Um, most of what I talk about is worship-related because that is my area. That is not only my area of ministry, but also my area of academic research as well. And so, a lot of these topics are derived from uh, thoughts that I am having um, and, and things that I have experienced over the years in ministry and research. Um. And so a lot of what I discuss is worship-related, um, and so today is a worship-related topic. We just finished a five-part series um, on five neglected essentials of worship, and so um, uh, we're done with that. <laughs> uh, be looking for a book eventually. It will be coming out um, hopefully by the beginning of next year. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about... Um, in presenting a case for children in corporate worship. Um, I give my podcast titles often, and this one is To Teach a Generation How to Worship, A Case for Children in Corporate Worship. Um, Nearly every minister, I think, who's involved in worship leadership in any capacity, including pastors, not just uh, music ministers, worship pastors, but senior pastors, lead pastors, any minister uh, has or will come across the issue of what to do with children during the corporate gatherings. A lot of churches employ very different measures with their children, which is included too, but I think not limited to, having separate children's worship services. Perhaps you have seen that where you have, quote, children's church, Uh, Or having a special children's message during the worship service. Maybe you've seen that, and I've seen that done in a variety of ways. Um, Or simply allowing the kids to worship with everyone else in the fellowship. Uh, Churches do different things. And in my years of encountering this issue, my opinion, I think, has changed because where I used to support separating children from, ad- from adults so that they would not be a distraction, I now firmly and fully support keeping kids in the worship uh, service with adults. And uh, my reason for this shift really lies in this rhetorical question. How will children learn to worship if not from older generations in their lives, especially their parents? But I'm going to dive into this, and you're going to see that all older generations have a responsibility to model corporate worship to children. And so I openly admit that not everyone enjoys being around kids or is even good with kids. Um... And there's nothing wrong with that. Hear me on that. There is nothing wrong with that. So no one should make people feel as though they're wrong for their discomfort with children. I um, once had a minister tell me that everyone likes kids, and if you don't, you're wrong and you're sinful. And and I just, I just thought, no, that's that's not that's not right. <laughs> uh, there are some people that are maybe they're just uncomfortable around children. That's okay. Um, that's not to dismiss anyone, but we are all called to model proper worship and how to worship God, and how else will they learn except from older generations? If we continue to separate them, they will not learn from the, genera- the older generations in their lives. Um, the body of Christ is given the obligation to model proper worship, to A younger generation. And so I intend here to make a case for keeping children in corporate worship rather than separating them. And in doing so, um, I will provide four foundations for children, for having children in worship, okay? And I am not at all talking about the practicality of a nursery or age-graded ministries. Those are good things. But so often, we treat those as compartments within the local church. In other words, they are separate. They are not part of one. They are separate entities all to themselves, and that is not how we should view that. So the first thought I have on this is, when a congregation is seen, when a local church congregation is seen, The church should be seen. In other words, the entire church. There are no age limitations in the body of Christ. In the church are both extremes of young and old and everything in the middle. And so a local church should be representative of that body. If someone were to look across a congregation from a platform on a given Sunday, what they should see is the entire church, not just adults, because that is not representative of the church. And the situation uh, should not be seen as if uh, the adults in the local church are willing and ready to dismiss the children so that they can move on to bigger and better things. That's not how we should treat that. The body of Christ is not compartmentalized, but it is one body. We're one church. Uh, as the Apostle Paul th- says in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, we are one bo- one church with one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Um. Western society, we, we tend to do a, a terrible job of representing the Church of Jesus Christ because we compartmentalized uh, for, for, for compartmentalized just about everything. For example, the youth ministry in many local churches often seems to be separated from the rest of the church, almost as if they're their own thing. They're not even part of the church. Um, and people are okay with that somehow. Yeah, the youth ministry—they have their own thing going on. We, you know, they're—they're they're, they're not us. It's just—it's—it's it's a wrong attitude to have. The children's ministry of a lot of churches seems to be separated and offer often in an eager manner, as if the adults cannot wait to get rid of the children, and that's the wrong attitude to have. And moreover, seniors are sometimes given the boot because they're outgoing from this life. They don't matter. And all of that is the wrong attitude to have. Ironically, the two generations that need each other the most are the seniors and the children. There is much to be learned from both and by both. Seniors and children, the two extremes. They're the two that need each other the most. I don't know if you've heard about this concept uh, uh, there's a trend in nursing homes uh, across the country where um, they are putting um, preschools and elementary schools in the same spaces as nursing homes, uh, daycares too, sometimes daycares in the same spaces as nursing homes, and it is working brilliantly because you have uh, people who are older teaching people who are younger and People who are younger also teaching the people who are older and they're both learning from each other and and the relationships are building and and it's just working beautifully. Uh, Why do we separate and compartmentalize generations of our churches? I'm not referring again to the practicality of having age-driven ministries, but there's a fine line between age-driven ministries and nearly total separation, which often happens without us even realizing it, and somehow we are okay with it. Even in age-graded ministries, uh, the ministries really should be derived from the local church, not a separate entity itself. Each age-graded ministry, if that's the way your church does it, should be an extension of that local church. In other words, they are part of it. Each Christian in a local church is a member of the body and should be treated and viewed as such, no matter their age, young or old. The second thought I have on this, uh, in making a case for children in corporate worship, is... Um, now, hear me, There's a this is related, okay? This is going to sound sort of unrelated at first, but it's not. Uh, education is not a government or church responsibility, but a parental responsibility. And this includes worship training. Okay, you're thinking, how am I getting into education here? Well, the topic of children and worship crosses not only into theology for me, but also into culture. Because we live in a society that gladly passes the responsibility of education to the government. But both biblically and constitutionally, government is never given the responsibility of education. I'm talking here about the U.S. Constitution, because there are a lot of state constitutions that discuss education as a government responsibility. But at least in our federal constitution, nowhere is education mentioned. And so any time, uh, continuing on with that thought, biblically, anytime scripture speaks of training a child... The responsibility is always placed on the parents, not even the church, okay? It is placed on the parents. It is a parental responsibility to make sure that a child becomes a productive adult, which really could look different depending on the context, but it is the parent's responsibility. Uh, the Apostle Paul instructs fathers to bring children up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord in Ephesians 6.4. Um, In Deuteronomy 31, 12-13, we're told that alien children who hear of the Lord will know and fear Him in Israel. The psalmist in Psalm 78, 5 says that God established a testimony in Jacob and established a law in Israel which He commanded fathers to teach their children. And additionally, in 3 John 1, 4, the Bible speaks of the joy that a parent has in knowing that their children walk in the ways of the Lord. It's interesting to me that success, wealth, intelligence, college degrees, a good job, um, these are not things that are listed in the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. (laughs) Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Nowhere in there is success, college degrees, intelligence, none of that. Um... But I would dare say that most parents want those secondary things over the godly things, the fruit of the Spirit. Why is that? Why do we want these other things when Scripture clearly states that there's no greater joy than knowing that your children are walking in the ways of the Lord? And so that is the ultimate responsibility as a parent. But secondarily... This responsibility to train, educate, and to teach not only spiritual matters, but also matters of life and how to be a productive adult. That's the responsibility of the parents, not the government and not even the church. A parent might seek a partner in education, for example, a public or private school, but they should assure themselves that they have the right partner because the responsibility to educate their children falls solely on them. And too often, parents pass their kids to schools or even to the church for their education and especially their uh, spiritual uh, maturity and their theological education. There there, there are uh, a plurality of ways that parents do this. It's the Sunday school teacher's job, it's the youth minister's job, it's the pastor's job. It is not my job to educate my kids. And and here I'm not talking about um, math, science, English, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritual maturity and development in Christ. It is the parent's responsibility to train and educate that child. And so far more important than academic education is biblical education. Parents need to prioritize teaching their children the holy ways of God, which is why a parent should not ground their kids from church gathering. That always baffled me growing up, that someone who claimed to be a godly parent would ground their chi- their children from church. That did not make sense to me. <laughs> The concept is related to corporate worship here because it is also a parental, respons- uh, parental responsibility to train children in worship practices. The primary example of a child or, or that a child should have of a worshiper of God is his or her parents. And if we separate children from their parents in worship, they will not experience that personal example of how to worship in their parents' Uh, God's people need to take the responsibility of educating children very seriously and allow kids to learn to worship alongside their parents, not separated from them. The third thought I have here is that family worship is the biblical model. It's the biblical model in two ways. Number one, the church is the family of adopted children of God. We are all children of God. We're family. Number two, God has placed an important and strategic role on parents to give spiritual direction in their children's lives. And this includes direction in corporate worship. And so while I am not an advocate of infant baptism, many of my brothers and sisters who argue for it might reference Acts 8.12 or Acts 18.8 as evidence that entire families were baptized together, including children and perhaps even infants. Um, Again, not advocating for infant baptism, but I have a tie-in here. That might be a stretch to say that that that's infant baptism, but something that I gather from these texts uh, in Acts is the concept of family worship. The responsibility of spiritual leadership has been placed on parents. The greatest example of godliness a child should have is his or her parents, and the greatest example of worshipers of God a child should have is his or her parents. Someone who is godly is a worshiper of God, and they model um, strong um, worship theology, worship knowledge, worship practices. Someone who is a godly person worships God. There's no separation in that, okay? Someone who... Uh, does not worship God, and who is haphazard in their worship, is not a godly person. Family worship is the biblical model. And so, in saying this, however, I do not imply a problem with singleness. Uh, In fact, Scripture teaches that singleness is better Okay, people have tried to uh, explain that away and say, no, that's not what that means. No, it absolutely is what it means. Singleness is better. Now, not everyone is called to singleness, and there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with either. If you can glorify God better as a married person, then do it. But the church ought to not neglect single people because single men and women of God also have a responsibility of modeling proper worship for younger generations. We do not know who is watching us. And so while the ultimate task of godly leadership has been handed to the parents, single and married people alike should be model worshipers of Jesus Christ. And the church really is one large family, transcendent through the ages and comprised of many families and single believers, young and old. Family worship is the biblical model because we are a family. And for that reason, we should keep children in our corporate worship gatherings. The final thought I have on this is that the gospel should not be dumbed down. Uh, Too often we try to dumb down the gospel in a feeble effort To help people understand it. And this is especially true of how we teach children. And maybe you've experienced this And even talking to a child. You tend to dumb down your speech. And I'm not saying you need to uh, give a PhD thesis to a child and they'll understand it. That's not what I'm saying at all. But the gospel does not need to be dumbed down, nor should it be. Uh, someone recently asked me if the gospel is simple or profound and convoluted. And my answer, as many would know, is that it is both. Um, St. Jerome from the 4th um, uh, and 5th centuries he expressed this. He said, the scriptures are shallow enough for a babe to come and drink without fear drowning and deep enough for a theologian to swim in without ever touching the bottom." As people of God, and especially ministers of God, whether vocationally or not, we should not shoot for the lowest common denominator. In other words, children can certainly understand the simplicities of the gospel, but they will not understand the complexities of the gospel if it is not given to them by the Holy Spirit through our teaching as adults. If we continue to compartmentalize and separate generations and thus uh, prevent them from worshiping together with us, We will continue to reap shallow and superficial Christians, and in my opinion, it is increasing over the years. There's a reason Jesus said, let the children come to me. He was not implying that we need to dumb down the gospel. That's how the children come to me. That's not what he was saying. Rather, children should come to the gospel, who is Jesus, and they should come to all of it, not part of it. In other words... They should not be sent out of corporate worship experiences with the rest of of God's people. They should be included. And to accomplish this, all of God's people should worship together. We don't need to dumb down the gospel and send them to a separate service so that we teach a dumbed-down gospel that they can understand. They can understand it. The, The Word of God does not return void, and that includes... Um, all ages. That is not just adults. That is children too. Where the word of God is preached, it does not return void. And besides that, it is not us who save who save people. It is the whole. It is God. The Holy Spirit's work in their lives. And truly, gospel understanding only comes from the Holy Spirit. And we should keep children in our worship services. So we need to stop seeking entertainment. And that's the driving point here. We need to stop seeking entertainment and start seeking God in worship. Uh, I talk a lot about entertainment culture in worship, and I, I think... Uh, That a a significant reason adults are often so eager to separate themselves from children and youth and worship is an entertainment-minded attitude, believe it or not. In other words, it's an attitude that suggests, let us get rid of the children so that we can move on to the real adult worship. What they do is their own business, but they don't belong in here with us. Nevertheless, such an attitude, this attitude is founded on a desire to be served rather than to serve. And to be entertained rather than to worship. And when we realize that worship is work rather than relaxation, hear me on that. Worship is work rather than relaxation. When we realize that, our hearts, our minds, and our attitudes need to shift to seeking God's glory in the entire body of Christ. And so for that reason... We should be faithful worshipers of God by fostering opportunities for the entire local church to worship together. We should not dismiss any generation, young or old. And when the church worships God, the entire church should worship God, not just a portion of the local church. So here I present to you uh, the case for children participating in worship. I hope this is helpful, beneficial, and hopefully edifying to you and to uh, the church. So thank you for listening. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones.